Good morning, and welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church. It's a joy to see all of you gathered here for worship today. If you would take a moment and register your attendance on the pew pad at the end of your pew and place it in the offering plate later in the service, we would appreciate that. Also, if you're worshiping with us online, if you would take a moment and make a comment, we would appreciate that as well. As you came in today, I hope you took a moment and picked up your weekly sheet, a calendar of events for this week. Two uh, announcements that I'd like to highlight. First of all, the missions team is collecting items for flood buckets and tornado buckets. You can find more information about that as you enter the church. The red buckets and descriptions of what is needed is at each door. Also, the youth and children's departments are collecting Valentine cards for our students. So if you would, make 60 Valentine cards with your name on it, just made out to students, and get those to Catherine Barnes or Carmen McKibben so we can pass them along to our students at upcoming Valentine parties. Now let us prepare ourselves with prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that you prepare our hearts, that you cleanse our souls and make us ready to worship you once again. Fill us with great anticipation and love so that we might receive your grace and the many blessings of this time of worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Winning Hymn 472, Near to the Heart of God. Let us remain standing as we say what we believe together with the words from the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. And as we prepare to receive our morning offering today, I remind you of this church gives thanks for 
all of you who support the ministries of First United Methodist Church, whether that be through the offering collected during worship, online giving, Venmo, or reoccurring gifts. Thank you for your gifts. Continue to allow the good news to be spread to our community, our nation, and our world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed, and we thank you for all the ways you give to us again and again. We are blessed to be here today for our salvation, for this family of faith, and for all the wonderful good things of our lives. Out of those blessings, we return to you, asking that you multiply these gifts and guide us in their use for your glory and for the coming of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If the ushers will come forward, we will receive the morning offering.
may be seated. And I would say, you're not the one that's confused, I'm the one that's confused. Sorry, Benny, when I heard the organ got getting louder, I thought we're about to go in um, to the doxology. This is why you should not let a, a non-professional mu music person lead in music, but we do appreciate you, Josh, for filling in for JT today. Uh, this morning, as we go to our time of prayer, just a few prayer concerns that I would like to share with you. Jenny Cosper, a member of this congregation, passed away last week. Her funeral was yesterday. Please keep that family in your thoughts and prayers. Also, many of you know Rodney Thompson and his battle with brain cancer. Uh, Rodney has entered a, a new stage in that battle. So we have a prayer blanket for him and Becky, which is located in the prayer room just off the sanctuary on the courtyard side. I invite you after worship to pray over the blanket, and then we'll take it to, to Rodney as he continues his journey in fighting cancer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence with us and that grace that undergirds us every day, for we need that grace, whether it comes by the Holy Spirit or by our brothers and sisters in faith or your presence in unexpected ways. When life gets hard and there are challenges, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death or when we deal with illness or unmet expectations or hurt or pain, it is, it is grace to know that you are there and we are not alone. God, make your presence known to us, not only those gathered here, but in our community, our nation, and our world. Forgive us our sins, draw us closer to you and closer to one another as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Children, you're dismissed to Children's Church with Miss Catherine. And um, our hymn of preparation, that is not a mistake. We are singing a Christmas carol uh, today because our window in the Word of the Window series is Mary and Jesus, Madonna and Child. So we looked for a hymn that would include Mary, so we went back to Christmas. Hymn 219, I invite you to stand as you are able as we sing together, What Child Is This?
put Grover on the spot and ask you to open the door to the room right in the corner so I can see the window as I preach. Thank you very much. Today is our second uh, in the series of Word from the Window, and it is Madonna and the Christ. This window is found to your right as you come in the narthex at the courtyard entrance. It is inspired, the window was inspired by Raphael's The Sistine Madonna. It is a partial copy of this famous painting which is found in Dresden, Germany. The window was installed with several others in 1945 as part of the first prayer room. The prayer room moved, but the window did not. The window was given in memory of Allie Lois Giddens Brown, Allie Josephine Brown, Hilda Phoenix Brown, and Dr. Lucian Brown by the Brown family. Dr. Joseph Lucian Brown moved to Gadsden, Alabama with his parents at age 12. It was then that he and his parents joined First Methodist Episcopal Church South in Gadsden, Alabama. And that began generations of involvement in the church. In fact, we had a descendant who worshiped with us at the nine o'clock service. Joseph and his wife, Hilda, were faithful workers in the church. She served in the children's department, was a circle leader, and was the president of the Women's Society of Christian Service, a forerunner of the United Women of Faith. Allie Josephine, their two-year-old daughter, died in 1926, and it is her face that you see as an angel in the window, and her name is etched in the window as a memorial forever. And now to the scripture which inspired this window. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke the first chapter, verses 41 through 56. Luke 1, 41 through 56. Hear the good news. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in the God my Savior, for he's looked at me with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy are for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts and their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. The word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we look toward Scripture and this example of Mary, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer. Amen. The first thing that people notice about the stained glass window is typically not Mary, the Madonna, and Christ, but the child whose face is in the window. Many people wonder about this angel, and now you know. It is a memorial to Allie Brown. Now, some people would think it would be strange to mem uh, have a memorial for a two-year-old in such a way. But if you think about it, it makes sense. First of all, this is a connection with the original painting that inspired the window, the Sistine Madonna, which is in Dresden, Germany. The part that is copied from that painting is the Madonna and Child. What is left out is two cherubs that are at the bottom of the painting. These two cherubs are well known. You've probably seen them before. If you Google the painting, you will recognize them. They often show up in, in print or stationery and the such. So for that angel to be in the window, it's an homage to the Sistine Madonna. Another connection relates to Mary's life and story. It makes sense because of Mary's story. My friend and colleague in ministry, Reverend Dale Clem, recently did a podcast on the Pray Together initiative for the North Alabama Conference in the United Methodist Church. And in that podcast, he reminded me of Mary's story and the importance of Mary. Mary was the first disciple. She was the first to receive the message of Jesus' birth. She was the first to tell others the good news. She went to her cousin Elizabeth, and John leapt in his mother's womb at her presence. Mary's beautiful song, the Magnificat, is a praising wonder to God, praising him for favoring her, a lowly servant, and favoring the lowly throughout history. We heard this song as part of scripture today. Mary had a good grasp on prayer. Scripture tells us several places that she pondered things in her heart. This leads me to believe that she was a deeply spiritual woman and sought God in her thoughts and her ponderings, keeping the things of God in her heart. After Jesus' birth, Mary took Jesus to the temple for presentation. And it is there she met the prophet Simeon. Simeon asked to take the child, and he blessed the child, saying these words, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. Then Simeon hands the baby back to Mary, and he concludes with these words, saying, the child is destined for the rising and falling of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And then he looks at Mary and says, a sword will pierce your heart too. Can you imagine being a young mother and receiving your child and a prophet saying to you, 
a sword will pierce your heart too. But Mary was strong. And this was evidenced in her fleeing as her son's life was threatened. She and Joseph went away from Egypt to keep the king from killing her baby. She was a strong mother and a loving mother. She searched for her child for three days. Can you imagine losing your child in a city for three days? And she found him in the temple listening to the teaching. And she was a mother who prodded and pushed. At the wedding at Cana of Galilee, she pushed her son to enter into earthly ministry and perform that miracle. But Mary's sadness, that sward moment, came later when Jesus was arrested and crucified. Mary was strong because she stayed with her son as he was killed. She was there as he forgave those who tormented him, as he invited a thief to be with him in paradise. She was there as he took in his breath one by one. She was there as he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you wonder if he found comfort feeling abandoned that he knew his mother had not abandoned him. Did she feel love and, and compassion as his body was carefully, did she make sure it was carefully taken off the cross? Did she feel helpless as he breathed his last and was stabbed? One of the famous pass, uh, pieces of art is Michelangelo's Piata, or the Pity. And it's the one that shows Mary lovingly holding her son after his death. In that piece of art, you can feel Mary's anguish, her hurt, her pain. Mary knew what it was like to birth a child, to love a child, to take care of a child, to lose a child, and to mourn a child. Mary knows what it's like to grieve. As one who knows grief, it is no wonder that the Brown family decided to place this image of Allie Josephine in the window. Mary was a mother, and she knew what it was to grieve. I did not know Allie or her mother. That was long before my time. But I wonder if the family took great comfort in Mary as they journeyed through that uh, journey of pain and loss. Even if you haven't lost a child, I think we can all connect with Mary and her love and her example and her compassion. Mary reminds us that God's people have endured difficult times before. When we feel alone in our pain and grief, she reminds us that we are not alone. She is a sympathetic figure that we can connect with in a deeper way. She was chosen to be mother of the Messiah, and that's a big honor. But as often happens with great honor comes great responsibility. She grieved much because she loved much. As I, someone recently reminded me, we grieve because we love. This is Mary. In the scripture reading for today, Mary has already encountered Gabriel and he has given her a Holy Spirit birth announcement. You will be the mother of the Messiah. 
And she asks some questions. She's a little bit confused and, and doesn't understand. And Gabriel gives her a little bit more information. And she, like a true servant, says, let it be according to your word. And he gives her some more exciting news. Her cousin, Sarah, who was believed not to be able to have children, is pregnant. So Mary goes to her immediately. And as she comes, Elizabeth's baby leaps in her womb. And Mary breaks out into song. And this song has echoes of scripture, echoes of Hannah's song from 1 Samuel, and echoes of the psalm. It's a beautiful, beautiful song of how Mary feels honored to be mother of the Messiah and how God has chosen her a lowly servant. And then she remembers how God chooses the lowly again and again. Israel and the hungry and the outcast. God chooses them. God cares for others. Protestants are tempted to wrongly believe that our brothers and sisters in the Catholic faith worship Mary. This is not true. They don't worship Mary. They honor Mary. And Mary deserves to be honored. God called her to bear his son. And she said yes. She answered that calling and she agreed to be mother of the Messiah. And she did so trusting God. She was a faithful servant and a model of faithfulness and compassion. They also see her as an example of a companion. While she may not be an earthly mentor, she can be a spiritual mentor to all of us. From scripture, we can know her as a spiritual guide. Her, modelness, her model of faithfulness and compassion provide us with comfort and guidance, especially as we deal with seasons of grief. Mourning is part of the human condition. We will all mourn, every one of us. We will all die, and we will all lose someone to death. But as Paul writes in his first letter to the Thessalonians, We do not grieve as those of this world who have no hope, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. We also trust the words of Jesus as recorded in the Gospel of John. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I hold the keys of hell and death. Because I live, you shall live also. As people of faith, our hope is in Jesus, that we will meet our relatives again in eternity. But while we have hope, we also acknowledge that there is hurt. With the hope, we still hurt. Unlike many of you, I have not known that depth of loss. I have not lost a parent or sibling, a spouse or a child. I have grieved. I've had friends that have died in car accidents, a friend who committed suicide. I've been betrayed. I have grieved plans and ideals that I had for myself in the future. I've grieved a future. I've had relationships where trust was broken, and out of that, I grieve. It's part of the human condition. 
we all mourn something. In a connection to this window, I've come to appreciate how much Mary is a companion to us all, a sympathetic companion as we journey through mourning, perhaps like no other. She knew lost. She knew broken trust. She knew unmet ideals, betrayal, pain, and a future that did not turn out like she wanted. As Simeon foretold in the temple at Jesus' presentation, a sword pierced her soul. Many of you have been through sword-piercing moments. Did Mary in these moments draw upon her faith? After all, she trusted God. She said to him, Lord, let it be according to your word. That's powerful trust. She didn't know what was ahead, but she trusted God in what was ahead. Did she draw upon her relationship with others? After she received the birth announcement, she went to Elizabeth and met with her and spent three months with her. Was that her strength, those relationships? Was Scripture her strength? In the Magnificat, we heard echoes of Scripture. Was Scripture an important part of her life? Was an important part of her life prayer as she pondered the things of God, these messages which she kept in her heart? These aspects of Mary's life were a means of grace to her, an opportunity to find comfort in her grief. And they are comfort to all of us as we grieve as well. May her example lead you in a path of comfort. There's a popular song that we hear around Christmas time, and it's probably one that you've been singing in your head as I've been preaching this sermon. Mary, did you know? The song speculates what Mary may or may have not known as she gave birth to Jesus. The first stanza of that song goes, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would walk on water? Did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. There's a lot we don't know. From Scripture, we know what Gabriel told her. We know what Simeon shared with her, that prophecy. We know that she was present in Jesus' ministry, and we know that she was there at the cross when he died. We can't really know all that Mary knew, but we can connect with this work of art as a means of grace. A young mother who had much ahead of her, a mother whose soul was pierced with a sword, a mother who grieved, and we can relate to as people who grieved. So in her example, I hope you find a connection, and I hope you find the words that we say as part of our funeral liturgy in the United Methodist Church, these beautiful words that give us peace and grace. May God grant us grace, that in pain we may find comfort, in sorrow, hope, and in death, resurrection. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for those figures of faith who journey with us in faith, who provide us with examples when we need someone to lean on. May they provide us comfort as you provide us comfort. And may we find comfort in this family of faiths too. 
This we ask in the name of Christ. Amen. Our closing hymn is hymn number 528, Nearer My God to Thee. You're invited to stand as we sing together. that you should not leave the music to people who are not professionals and you should clean out your hymnal from week to week. my joy to announce that Kyle Horton joined our congregation by the sacrament of baptism today at the celebration service. If you happen to run into Kyle, greet him with a warm First United Methodist Church welcome. Also, don't forget the opportunity to pray over the prayer blanket for Rodney Thompson, which is located in the prayer room. And you're invited back next week when hopefully JT will be back to make less mistakes with music. And we will move to the third window in our series, 
the boy Christ, which is located on the 5th and Chestnut side of our narthex facing 5th Street. Now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace. Amen.